Well, we're excited today to have Pastor Kim with us. For those of you who've never met Pastor Kim, um, right now Kim is our district, one of our district leaders. He is a district leader in the Mid-South District, which covers five or six or seven states, six states of Foursquare, Texas, Oklahoma, all the ones around Texas. How about that? <laughs> uh, he is our missional leader in our district, and so he is uh, a part of casting vision and strategy and just hearing from the Lord. And uh, he's been our district supervisor as well when we had the North Texas district. He's been the pastor at, in Waxahachie. He was the pastor there for over 25 years, I believe, Twenty, almost 25 years. We'll just call it 25 and uh, round it up to an even number there, uh, which has been a great blessing. And... Uh, here, here's the thing I want you to know about Kim. Some of you may not know this if you haven't been in the church for seven plus years or eight years. Uh, pastor Kim is the one that appointed Ashley and I as the, the leaders of this church, as the pastor and co-pastor of this church. That's good. That was good. Yeah, I'll pay you all later for that, okay? <laughs> Thank you for doing that on cue. That was good. We didn't even practice it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was just a... If you were here and a part of that, um, Pastor Kim really just heard from the Lord and just helped lead our church into where we were all going, oh, yeah, that's that's our future. Even though we weren't all totally sure or on board, we're just like, we know this is God, and we, we appreciate that. And so I know Kim has a word from the Lord, so I'm going to stop introducing him and welcome him and come on up, Pastor Kim. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. You know, I have this world-famous saying that I use everywhere I go because there's always this little bit of apprehension when you hear somebody speak that you haven't heard from before and you wonder, wonder what he's going to say. Well, how many of you would rather be right here than in jail this morning? Okay, so we're not so bad after all, so it's good to be here. Uh, thank you. Uh, actually, I got a promotion recently. I am now called the assistant supervisor, which means you don't get any more money and you do the same job. <laughs> and you just get another title, and that's what it means. And so that's my responsibility. I work with getting new churches started, so I'm typically working with anywhere from 15 to 30 new churches getting ready to start throughout those six states, that uh, all of them surrounding Texas and Mississippi. So that far out. So um, I'm somewhere new every week and visiting with different people. So thank you for letting me be here. Um, they're going to put uh, some scriptures up that I'm going to go along with. This is, uh, I'm going to title the message that I'm going to bring you today, Don't Overlook the Obvious. And uh, so let's just get to work on that. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I'm a storyteller. Jesus liked to tell parables to illustrate points. So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories to get us started and then put your thumb or your finger over in Psalms 139. That's where we're going to land this morning. But there were two old cowboys that were traveling across the desert. <clears throat> I don't know what good cowboy names are, so let's go with some that we're familiar with, Augustus and Woodrow. Amen. They're going across the desert. <clears throat> And uh, they set up camp for the night, they get their tent, they make the campfire, they get some coffee going, eat a little jerky, and both of them crawl in the tent to sleep for the, the night. 
Now, some hours later, Woodrow wakes Augustus up, and he says, Augustus, look up at the sky. Tell me what you see. And Augustus says, well, Woodrow, I see millions of stars. And he goes, yeah, but what does that tell you? Now, you've got to understand, Augustus is a pretty sharp guy. He's a man of the world, self-appointed expert on a bit of everything. And he says, well, Woodrow, astronomically speaking, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of stars. Time-wise, according to the stars, it's a quarter past three in the morning. Theologically, it's evident that God is all-powerful and all-wise, and we're small and insignificant in His sight. And meteorologically, it tells me tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day. And Woodrow just kind of sat there and scratched his head for a minute. He goes, well, Augustus, I think it means somebody stole the tent. <laughs> There's this thing in life that sometimes we try to look at things so deep we miss the obvious. That sometimes God has something extremely powerful right in front of us, but because we're so focused on other things, we become blind to it. And that's not unusual because that happened in the Bible in Luke chapter 16. Every day a rich man would get up and at his gate was a beggar. And every day he would just walk and step over the beggar and keep going on his way. And the Bible says later that the rich man died and he went to hell and the beggar went to paradise. And that man didn't see that God had provided him an opportunity every day of his life to become the man that God wanted him to become. And I sometimes wonder if we as the church don't understand how much we need people that don't know Jesus to become the church that he wants us to become. I wonder what opportunities are right there at our door, but because we're so involved in the things of life, we become blind to those. Story number two. It's an actual scientific fact that's called change blindness. And what it means is that massive changes take place in front of us, but because our focuses are other places, we're blind to them and can't see them even though they're as big as a tent being gone. So there's actually, you can go on YouTube and call this up and type in change blindness. It's not going to work on you because I'm going to give you the answer. But what you need to do is try it on somebody and watch what happens. And I tried it on my wife, Cheryl. <laughs> so I got my little, her iPad and I put it on there. I said, watch this. It was called change blindness. And it was an experiment. And so here's what it looks like. There are two teams in white. One team is dressed in all black. The other team is dressed in all white, and they form a big circle. So you got one in black, one in white, one in black, one in white, and a big circle. And both teams have basketballs. And the announcer comes on and says, count how many times the team in white passes the ball to each other. And they pass it all kinds of ways. They'll bounce it, they'll throw it up, they'll cross it over. And Cheryl says, okay, and they get started, and she's counting. One, two, three, four five, six, and she counts 15 times. She said, 15 times? And the announcer comes on and says, the team in white passed the ball to one another 15 times. And he pauses and said, but did you see the gorilla? <laughs> what? And they play the thing back in slow motion. 
And all while there you're counting, this big furry gorilla comes walking like this into the middle of the circle, turns and moonwalks off and waves bye-bye. Holy mackerel! A gorilla was sitting there and I couldn't see it because my focus was in every place, other places. I wonder how, what God has in front of us. And we can't see it because we're distracted by the cares of this world and many other things. I wonder what this God who created the heavens and the earth that's all-powerful and all-wise, I wonder what he has in mind that could be right there, but we can't see it because of all the other stuff that's going on. Wow. I tell you, I know that's true because when I decided I wanted to buy myself a brand... I, can I just tell you, I'm a Texas boy if you can't tell from the accent. And uh, I'm a redneck. It's what I am, you know. I mean, God made me that way. I mean, in the balconies of space, God says, I'm making a redneck today. I'm going to make Kim, amen. I'm going to give him a girl's name because he's going to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. <laughs> kind of crazy and so i decided i wanted to buy myself a brand new white gmc four-wheel drive z71 stump jumping pickup truck amen i thought that's awesome and then when i decided i wanted one and i started everybody's got one they're all over the place and all of a sudden you start seeing things you don't normally see the moment they become important to you and I just wonder what God has and that we could be overlooking something very obvious, but we're distracted by things. And I've learned something. There's a huge principle in life. When we help others, we help ourselves. And I wonder what opportunities are out there for us. I wonder what could be under our feet right now. I wonder what God could have in mind a specific reason why we're here. I wonder what opportunities are that we could be overlooking that could be right next door. It could be anywhere. And I just wonder what God has in mind for us. And then as I was thinking about this, I just felt like the Holy Spirit nudged me a little bit. You ever got the Holy Spirit nudge? His nudge for a redneck's like this. Look up here, boy. Yes, sir. Amen. I get, I get hard nudges. Amen. And God said, I wrote a chapter in everybody's life in the room in a book. And I thought, get out of here, God. You did that? You wrote a chapter in a book stored in heaven's library somewhere? Is that the truth, God? And so let's go look in Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18. I want you to read with me. Are you ready? Let's go. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Hold it. Your soul knows something. And it knows it very well. I don't know that it registers in our head sometimes, but our soul knows something, the Bible says, and it knows it very well. And it's something about something that was happening way back in our mother's womb before we were ever born. You with me so far? Give me a little wave if you're with me out there. How many of you know what this is? 
Spanky and I are got, don't do it. It's part of the sign for the women's haters club, and you won't eat if you do that one. So just do it like that. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Look at that. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, and how great is the sum of them. That's incredible to me that every day of my life, before I was ever born and before I ever started living them, God recorded them in a book somewhere. That's what it says. You believe the Bible? That was really feeble. Amen. <laughs> now that scripture says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So... Before I was ever formed, God saw my substance. He saw the things of which I would consist, the things of which you would consist. Which means that God saw something about you and about me before we were ever created or conceived. It means he had an idea, a vision, and a plan for our lives about who we would be, and what we would do in all the days of our life. And his thinking was so defined and so specific, he wrote every day of it down in a book that's stored in his library somewhere. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me. Those days were fashioned for me. Now, I know we've been through some bad things, right? But I'm telling you, God can take anything and fashion it to serve you and to develop his idea, plan, purpose, and vision for your life. God won't waste a single thing. He doesn't cause the bad things, but he knows in advance what's coming, and he knows how to take those things and use them to serve his idea for our lives. Amen. We're going to preach in here in a minute if y'all aren't careful. Now, I'm over 60 years old. So that means my book has at least 22,000 days in it, which means God has thought about me a whole lot. Amen. It's a big old book. And that's what the Bible said, that God had his thoughts to us and how great is the sum of those days it's like he's thought about us in comparison to the sand of the sea that god has thought about us and he fashioned these days for us now the word fashion means like an artist he sculptured the day so here's how god did it he had a thought about john or ashley or about you so he takes his idea and he takes days and like a sculpture he fashions it around that idea he sculptures it. He bends it. He twists it. Oh, this is going to be a bad day, but I'll take that and I'll bend it and I'll make it serve my idea and the vision that I have for them. Amen. So God doesn't waste a single solitary thing. 
the worst day of our life, the most abusive day of our life, the most tragic day of our life, we can focus on the tragedy and it'll make us bitter, or we can look to God and He can take that thing and bend it and twist it and shape it so it serves the plan that He has in mind for our lives. If we can get that, then life can change for us and we'll start to see things differently. That he created and produced a day that would serve what he saw for us. A day that was shaped to shape us. To serve his purpose. The most boring day is filled with the purpose of God. I remember as a little boy, you know, I'd, on a rainy day and you can't go out inside and play. I remember I'd go in there and grab my mama's skirt tail and go, <laughs> I'm so bored. But God uses boring. He shapes patience. He uses everything. He wastes nothing. He's the creator. Nothing catches him by surprise. He's on his game all the time. And we'll say, God, have you forgot about me? And he thought, no, not at all. It's in a book right down here that I've had. And I'm going to take it and use it and sculpture it. And it'll make you better. But if you look at the wrong thing, you'll get bitter. If you look to me, you'll get better. And you'll become more than what you thought you could be because the divine sculptor is at work shaping his idea and vision and plan for your life. Mm. I must pause for a moment. That's good, y'all. And the point is, God formed this day. I don't know why he did it, but in all of our books it was written that we were supposed to be here and you were supposed to listen to me today. <laughs> so if you leave, you're going to sin. Amen. So don't leave. You better hear it till the end, you know. In other words, every day has a divine appointment in it. It does. And on this day, something was written about us all being here together, not just to hear me, but to sit beside the person that you're sitting beside right now. There's something in all of us for all of us when we get together. And we could miss it. We could overlook it. We could step past it and get distracted. And so personally, I think we're here about discovering something else about his plan and his idea for each of our lives. And it so happens that it coincides that we're the ones that get to discover it together today. So would it surprise you that God has really been thinking about you for a very, very long time? In Psalms 8.4, I'll go ahead and move to the scripture along there. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? I mean, that's a good question, and the son of man that you visit him. King David asked this question, and we know the story about David. He did some pretty bad stuff, and he's a little stunned that God is thinking about him. And he writes, what is man that you are my... What, is, what, is, what am I that God, the creator, puts his mind on me? And what that word translates to mean is that we're not a passing thought with God... But when he says, what is man that you're mindful, it means when he thinks about us, he is watchful and alert and he is careful and attentive concerning to us. That God doesn't think about us like, oh, that's John, oh yeah. No, God doesn't think that way. That when he thinks about us, he thinks about us like this. 
looking. Very careful in how he, he thinks extremely deeply about each one of us. And I know y'all won't believe this, but I used to be a rascal. <laughs> and it kind of stuns me. I really haven't gotten over it yet that he thought about me when I was such a rascal. It kind of stuns me. It kind of amazes me. And it makes me say, wonder what he was looking at. Because I gave him plenty not to look at. You understand? And if man is full of sin and he does horrible things and he wrecks his life and we could go on, on what is it that has God's attention? What is he thinking on? And it must mean that if human beings who blow it get God's attention, he must be seeing something that's obvious to him and not to us. He must see something valuable. So you get the idea that way back in our mother's womb, he must have invested something in our lives that he wants to come back to the surface, and it is something so powerful that he would send his only begotten son to die and resurrect from the dead to recover it and bring it back up so we would live that out in our lives. Wow. Let me say it another way. Let's look at Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like... Don't you love those scriptures? I love those kind of scriptures because you say, what's the kingdom of heaven like? It's like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found and hid and for joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and he buys that field. So I'm going to illustrate it like this. The Midland Foursquare Church, after this service, it becomes so profound that you all step into your calling and you start leading a bunch of people to Jesus and you're going, there's no more room to seat people. We've got to buy a new property. Amen. And so Pastor John starts going around town. He finds a big field out there and he's praying, Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I'm claiming this property in Jesus' name. And he trips over a rock. The rock scoots over and he looks down and he goes, oh. And there, when the rock shifted over, was buried a box full of gold Spanish doublons. A quick estimate, he goes, that's $10 million for sure. So according to that scripture, put the scripture back up there. Just leave it there for a second. He finds the treasure and he hides it. Puts that rock back over it right quick. Make sure nobody's watching. Then he goes down to the realtor. Is that field for sale? And they say, why, yeah. He says, how, how much is that field? And he said, well, it's a million dollars. And John says, I don't have a million dollars, and the church don't have a million dollars. But here's the deal. If you can come up with a million, you're going to buy a field that has treasure in it, right? And it's worth $10 million. So it's a good trade. So I'll tell you what he's going to do. Ashley, honey, he's going to sell your cars. what he's going to do. 
and he's going to sell your house, and he's going to ask all you to sell your cars too. Because if you can come up with a million dollars, and you sell all you have, and you pay everything, you're going to get a treasure that's not only going to buy you all brand new cars, but you're going to get a new piece of land and a building, and the kingdom of God comes in power. And I'm telling you, inside of people is a treasure from God that's worth selling everything out for to get that treasure out of the field. Now tell the person next to you, I'm looking a little different at you than I was a while ago. Yeah. There's some treasure in them in there. Now let's unpack it just a little further. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Get this. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now that scripture says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now this physical body right here, in the book of Genesis, God created man from the dust of the earth and blew the breath of life and man became a living soul. So this body is an earthen vessel. This is the mobile home that I live in. I told you I was a redneck. Amen. So... Uh, <clears throat> This is a mobile home that I live in. It's the earthen vessel that I abide in. And inside that, we have this treasure. Inside of our earthen vessels, inside of us, is this treasure. But it's pretty phenomenal kind of treasure because the treasure, that idea, that plan that God had for us way back there in the beginning before we ever took our breath, has the excellence of the power of God attached to it. If you become that person, you live by his excellent power rather than all the mess that happens to you in this world. Wow. That's what God sees when he looks at us. You know how it is when you're going through the grocery store and there's old sister so-and-so and you go like this. Ooh, I'm going down the other aisle. Amen. <laughs> You seeing something else, but God can see treasure in sister so-and-so. I don't know how he does it, but, but he saw it way before she was ever born, this idea and plan that he's been shaping and all that sort of thing. It's all there. It's all resident there. And it may not be obvious to us, but it's obvious to him. It's incredible how people size themselves up. They'll look at themselves and go, I'm not pretty or I'm not this. I'm going like, seriously? God made you. He made you just like you. God, you know, it's like that little girl I heard testify one time. She said, God made me and God don't make no junk. And I said, that's right. He don't. This right here, this is God's design, y'all. <laughs> and so are you. That's not a mistake. We feel like we need some kind of adjustment or we want to compare ourselves to some movie star or athlete. You don't want to be that. God didn't make you to be that. You want to be, you know, pause. I've got to be me. That's who you got to be. You, you got to be who God made you to be. I'm going to have some fun. All right, is that okay? If y'all want to come on, you can, but I'm going. We have a treasure in hidden 
hidden in this. It, it may be hidden. It may be lying there dormant. It may be inactivated. It may be buried and locked up, but it's in there, and it's something so valuable we ought to sell out completely so that that would come to the forefront and God's excellent power will work through his design and plan for our lives. Can I just tell you what I'm saying to you? Ladies and gentlemen, there's a gorilla in the room. So quit monkeying around, amen. Oh, yeah. We have this peculiar thing. It's called the reticular activating system. It's, it's the way God created human beings that the eye, the retina, is somehow tied to our brain for processing, and it's a filtering system is what it is. And we will, based on things that we see, if we were to process all the information that's coming to us at once, it would blow our minds. So God created the reticular activating system to filter out unwanted our information that we think is unimportant. So I'm sitting here talking, we're going on, and, but if we were to go quiet and listen for a minute, hear the air conditioner now, you wouldn't even think about the air conditioner blowing a while ago, and you're really thankful for it too. Let's lift our hands. Thank you for air conditioner, Jesus. You might hear a car go down the road. You might hear a kid holler down the road. I mean, you might hear a diesel drive by. But all of a sudden, when you focus, you start hearing things that the reticular activating system is filtering out. And that's kind of like my Z71 pickup truck. It wasn't when it became important to me. Then I started seeing them everywhere where before I was literally blind to them because they weren't important to me. And it's just this thing, it's like one philosopher says, the eye only sees what the mind is prepared to receive. So if you don't want to see it, you won't. You won't. Well, I don't see God, that's because you don't want to. Because if you want to, you'll see him. If you look for him, you can find him. Because he's a present help in a time of need. And I just wonder if we really know the power and potential that God placed in us and designed in us by his excellent plan and the power that's attached to it. Remember in Psalms 139 verses 13 through 14, it says, You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you. And then he talks about how he was made. Fearfully, wonderfully, and marvelous. Three big words that describe how God made us. Now, the word fearfully doesn't mean, oh, I'm afraid. It means that to be fearfully means to stand in awe and reverence of God. The word literally means to take your breath away. If you were to see the idea and vision that God had for you before you were formed in your mother's womb, you would do this. It'd take your breath away. It would stun and amaze you. And I know there's people in the room that you look in the, you'll look at yourself in the mirror and you'll go, that ain't much right there. But if you could see what God sees that has his excellent power, it'd take your breath away. The word wonderfully means distinct and separated and set apart. It's not like anybody else. That's why you don't want to imitate somebody else. Because you can't be what God designed you to be if you're trying to imitate someone else. You're walking in shoes he didn't make you to walk in. 
So you got to be distinctly you. And the word marvelous means astonishing wonder that makes your head spin. You ever seen those little red pin lights, you know, you put in a little red dot on the wall? And, you know, I mean, my brother has a cat. <laughs> You've done it, right? You get that red light and you put it on there and, and that cat, he tries to get it, right? So my brother thought one day, I'm just going to run him in a circle for a long time and see what happens. So he's going in a circle. That cat's going in a circle, going in a circle, and then he just stops, and the cat stops, and his head goes. That's what it's like. If you see how God made you, it'll take your breath away and make your head spin. I'm coming home, Elizabeth. <laughs> Stunning. Absolutely amazing. John, is there a set of drumsticks up there? Would you mind getting those for me? Y'all are not going to believe this. It's about to happen right in front of you. I can't play the drums, y'all. I'm not going to play the drums. But uh, I'm uh, buying a little time while John's looking at them right now. Okay, let's go. Na, 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 na. It's church. You can have fun. Na, 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 na. Na, oh, there they are. Amen. Those will work right there. Thank you, John. Now, ladies and gentlemen, these right now are officially some of the biggest knitting needles you have ever seen in your life. Now, the NIV translation, when it talks about these scriptures, about being fashioned in our mother's womb, it translated, we were knit together. Now, I want us to see that because I think it's very, very important. Because remember when we talked about fashioning, we talked about sculpturing and twisting and turning and making the day serve. It's like knitting. And that's how God made us. I'm glad to discover that God didn't create us like an assembly line creation. Going to make some people today, roll one in, bam, call that one John, amen. Come on, right on now, bam. And God didn't make us. He makes us like this, remember? Watchful, alert, cautious, looking in. Each one of us were made by God like he was knitting us together. Spiritual gifts. The days are a hard day, hard day. Make it serve, make it serve my idea. God, oh, there's Kim. I'm going to put some crazy in everywhere. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's a rascal. Cross-stitch, definite cross-stitch in him. Amen, you know. And God just looping the days of our lives, our spiritual gifts, our attitudes, all these kind of things. He's just working in our lives. And he preaches a long... I put a stick shift in him. Speed him up. Amen. Because he preaches a long time. And God knit us together. Bent and twisted and formed the days around us, looking intensely. Everything about us, life events, circumstances, not wasting anything. Emotions, passions. All those things. You say, can God really do that? Does he really do that? Well, look at Psalms 33, 14 through 15. Let's see what God has to say about that. And here it comes. Back it up. Psalms 33. Ah, from the place of his dwelling, he looks on how many of the inhabitants of the earth? And he fashions their hearts how? Ah and considers all their works so he made us like this and someone says did he have time 
Well, the last time I read the Bible, it says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Listen, God had time to make us all just like this, individually, looping everything to serve that idea, that vision, and that plan for our lives. I don't think that's what we see most of the time while we're living our lives. I don't think we see what God sees that has the excellence and the power of the Creator that's attached to it. All our strengths are woven into us, forming a treasure chest of potential and power from God that the excellency of the power may be from God and not just what we can work up and muster ourselves. I think we're here today because God wants us to know that. He wants to refresh our memory and so that we'll go all in to live by the treasure, that we'll get the treasure out of the field, that we'll open the box and let it out. Can I say it like a redneck? He wants to get the cat out of the bag, y'all. I mean, you know, he, he, he just wants that potential to be released, to launch into some change that you've always wanted to get the power of God on the table and release the excellence that he deposited in us because in every one of us right now, regardless of where you are at this stage in your life, inside of you is the thing that angels desire to look into. And I have to say it in the most holy way I know how to say it inside of every one of you is that holy hush is the gift of God. The gift of God. It's in you. It's in you and you and you. It's always been there. It's the treasure chest of a lifetime. It's the wealth of your soul. It'll gain you more than the riches of the world. It's the treasure at the end of the rainbow you're looking for. If you get it, you'll be the richest person on this earth because it's designed for you. It's, only, it's absolutely perfect for you. Only you can be you. We need to quit complaining about the raw deals we get in life and look at the treasure and not the raw deal. There's a little woman in one of our churches down in Berg, Louisiana. It's so far down in the coast that everybody's born with their feet in the ocean amen it's true it's true they really are and so i mean way down in the bayou and she came up to me in one of our churches down there and she said pastor kim i want to tell you something i said okay what do you want to tell me she goes i was praying and complaining to god about my life and she said right over here and took me to the place at the altar she goes i was just telling god and complaining and he spoke to me i said what did he tell you he said to me, get up from there. I called you to be a warrior, not a weenie. And I said, that's right. That's the truth. That's the truth. When you become the real you, everything about life connects. It comes together. When we're fulfilling his purpose for our lives, it all comes together. Nothing is wasted. Everything is used. Every electrical impulse of your brain to your sight, smell, touching emotions, pains, all those things, calling, spiritual gifts, talents, personality, God's excellent power brings it together because inside of us is this spiritual DNA of what God created. Now, I want to illustrate how DNA works to you. What time is it here? Oh, pfft. it's still 10 o'clock. Amen. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie in church. It's five minutes after 10, y'all. Anyway, 
No, I'm doing better than I thought I would be doing about now. Lost my train of thought too. Amen. So that's why you have notes and you go back. Oh, there's DNA in us, everybody. Now, I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't think I will here, but there are some parts of the United States that you could. I'm a hunter. I'm a deer hunter. Let's stop and thank God. You want to hallelujah? Come on, Jesus. I know that there's those organizations like PETA, you know, I, I get that. People eating tasty animals. I'm a member. Amen. So, sorry. But <laughs> so we we hunt on a ranch down in Menard, Texas, not not real far from here. But uh, and our rancher had a pet deer. It was a buck, an eight point buck, and a good one. I mean, he had he wasn't little bitty old horns. He had some good horns, and he had a pink collar on that buck. That made me that's not right. You don't put a pink collar on a buck deer. It's wrong. Old sinner, backslidden rancher. Anyway, I'm off my subject now. And so he made a pet out of that buck. And you could pet him on the head like a dog. He said, don't shoot my pet. And I said, oh, no, we won't. Well, here's a crazy thing. After I saw him, he's absolutely gorgeous. You know, those horns are an evidence of how God had coated him and what he had coated him to produce, right? In case you don't know, a deer loses its horns every year and regrows them back every year. And typically, if he has good nutrition, they'll grow back bigger each year as he matures along the way. Well, I saw this same deer two years later, and the only way I knew it was him is because he had the collar on. And we had gone into a rough season of drought, so the nutrition in the field was terrible. So he was not properly nourished. And his horns were now about the size of my hands. And they were a little twisted and malformed. So he had the potential as designed by God to be this. But he only produced this because of what he fed on. Because of what he fed on. Mm. Now, the gift of God and the calling and the design and the plan, the idea that he has for you has his excellent power attached to it. But let's vision on this side of the room is all the mean, hateful, ugly stuff that's ever happened to you in your life. And over here now on this side of the room is the most excellent plan of God that none of that had anything to do with. It was designed by God way back when we were in our mother's womb before we ever took our first breath. And it is excellent, and it is powerful. See, what the dilemma is in life is when things happen to us, we turn our back on that, and we look at this, and we feed on this. And rather than becoming this in life, we settle for this because this leads us and guides us, affects our will, our disposition, how we make choices and everything. You understand? I know you understand. And that's one of those kind of things. I think God has us here to deal with what I call a disability focus. We focus on things that disable us. 
we focus on these things and they disable us from becoming this that God had in mind for us. And we can live an entire lifetime not becoming this, even though you saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. If you feed on this, you'll never get the potential of all that salvation and spirit empowerment came to bring you. Because you're looking at the wrong thing. And you, if you look this way, you just can't see that. And this is most obvious with God, but we will miss the obvious because of the things that we're focused on. I call these competing distractions. They compete. The devil uses them to compete with the plan that God has and to keep us distracted and focused in that direction so we will not move in this direction. I still believe that the church and its people are the most powerful, influential people on the earth. But we're looking at the stuff that's going on instead of this excellent plan. I got to tell you, I don't care about the Muslim agenda. I don't care about any of that. I don't care whether we like what politics are going on. That does not lead us. Look to the author and the finisher of our faith, the one that designed the plan, and let's become powerful again. Instead of retreating into isolation, and we, we hear this stuff, we've got, we've got to save up food, got to do this, got to do that. I'm telling you on the day of Pentecost, this, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel saying that the last days, the last days have been here for 2,000 years. They started with the prophet Joel, and we were empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in the last days. We're already equipped. We just are forgetting who we are because we're distracted by the stuff in this world. I love you. <laughs> a disability focus is when a person tends to look at their sins and their failures and their hurts and their sufferings and their shortcomings, their rejections, their abuses, injustices, weaknesses, and temptations more than the plan of God for their life. And that feeds them. It feeds who they become. And they make a choice and they live weak and emaciated when this excellent power that was there all the time, buried inside of us, could be leading us even in the face of the most difficult situations. I know because four years ago, a man killed my daddy. I don't just preach stuff. I have to live it too. And in that moment, I had to make a decision to look at the man or to look at the plan. Because that's all you got, everybody. And I could let hatred overtake me. I could let vengeance overtake me. I could let anger overtake me. I could look at that individual who made a most horrible decision and it cost me the life of my father. And in that moment, I had to stand with my family, get them around, and they looked at me as the patriarch of faith. And I've got to get them to Jesus because that's the only way we're going to survive. Because there is no amount of punishment given to that man that's going to give us what we really want. We want our daddy. And he's not coming back. So no amount of punishment is going to give us what we really want. And so we've got to gather in. And rather than looking at that, I said, yes, but in spite of that, God knew that. Lord, take it and twist it and mold it. And make it sculptor 
to serve the idea of the man that you want me to be rather letting me become weak and emaciated and let a man who commits a crime determine who I'm going to become. You got to decide. This is real stuff. This is real living because that stuff over there, it really happens to us. It's not stuff we made up. It's all in this room because if you're born on planet Earth, that stuff touches you. You can hear somebody's word telling you you never amount to anything. All that stuff is over there. And there's only one thing you can do. I'm thinking of Isaiah 58. I want to look at that scripture with you right quick. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. And I thought, really, that's all I ever want in my life is to do this. God and him say, here I am. That's it. But then there's that gigantic word, if. Biggest word on the page, that little two, if. God says, I'm going to show up if. You take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. If you do that, then he comes in full orbed power. If you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. If you're in a dark place, you want light to come out. You've got to make sure you're not dealing with that stuff and that you're looking to the plan that God has for your life. And then your darkness, the darkest moment of your life, will be like the noonday sun. And I thought, that's how I want to live right there. That's what I'm looking for. But there's three things that Scripture says you've got to do. First of all, you've got to... Back it up, if you don't mind, to, yeah. you got to take away the yoke from your midst. And this is what I know. That stuff over there that happens to it, it'll get us by the neck and yoke us up like a plow horse, and it'll choke the life right out of it. Because we can revisit it, and those old emotions will come up and get us by the neck. And we'll see it, and we'll be revisited with anger and upset. It'll just get us by the neck and it'll choke the And you've got to make a decision that you're going to take that stuff and take it off of your neck and give it to Jesus and let him take care of it because you're no match for it. Well, how am I going to take it off my neck? Well, the first thing is, the second thing is the pointing. You've got to quit pointing at it. And I've learned that about people. The thing that you keep pointing at is the thing that you'll keep looking at. That's why the law was good at pointing out sin, but it couldn't save us because it made sin appear exceedingly sinful. And I can tell all of you right now, look at me and don't look anywhere else. Don't look anywhere else. And right there you feel, I want to look at what you pointed at, but I'm not going to. And it came alive. The want to came alive. Because when we point at something, we look at it. And we got to quit pointing at it. And we got to quit speaking wickedness. And wickedness doesn't mean cussing. But don't do that either. But it does mean that we keep talking about the wicked thing that was done to us. We keep pointing at it. We keep talking about it. And it stays and it has us by the neck. And so you got to quit talking about it. I know how this works. I have a family, and everybody gets together in there, and they're going to go, what has she done now, y'all? And I mean, there it goes. It just stays alive. 
Year after year after year after year after year, it stays alive. And it affects how you have family. It affects how you live. It affects everything. And you've got to decide. I'm taking this show. I'm not looking there. I'm not pointing at that. I'm not talking about it. Instead, I'm going to go, look at what God has done. Look at this plan. Look at that thing that's excellent. And I've learned something, that the thing I talk about affects me. And if I talk about weakness, I act weak. And if I talk about what God's power, then I start feeling powerful. It's one of those crazy sort of things that we have got to understand that repentance means I was walking this way, but now I'm taking a 180-degree turn. I'm turning my back on that, and now I'm walking towards this. This is all I can see. But when you're looking here, that is not obvious. And this will emaciate you. I'm almost finished. I've got 15 minutes. Wait, I heard the Lord say I could speak till 3 o'clock today. <laughs> Lift your hands. Let's thank the Lord. Yeah, okay. Not as many. Anyway. I'm going to tell you another story, two more stories to get us there, and I'll be done. But I, I, I feel it's good to give people places to hang their hat on the Scripture so they, they get it. Now, the story I'm going to tell you is dumb, okay? It's dumb. But it illustrates the point. It's about some animals have had a school. Told you it's dumb. Anyway, the animals had a school, and the curriculum for them was all the same. It was climbing, swimming, flying, and running. Now, the duck was pretty good at swimming and ferret flying, but he was terrible at running and climbing. Those old flat feet, whack, whack. He just, you know, he couldn't get there. And so they said, man, you know, we're going to drop your other classes, and we want you to concentrate on your running because he wasn't any good at it. So he concentrated on his, his running. He concentrated on his weak areas. You know, we're told to do those kind of things. And uh, so nobody felt threatened by swimming anymore because he was always concentrating on his running. The eagle was a problem student in the climbing class. He would cheat. He'd use his own method to get there. He'd fly up. So, as you can guess, he was the first one to be expelled from school for insubordination. So, now the rabbit, on the other hand, he was the top of the class in running, but he had a nervous breakdown and dropped out of school because he had so much makeup work in swimming. <laughs> and the turtle, oof, that guy was a failure in every class. He just, and finally they said, you know, I know what his problem is. It's that shell. It's that shell. Let's take that shell off of him, and he'll do better. <sighs> he was the first one to die at school when a horse stepped on him. <laughs> Poor old turtle. Well, in summary, everybody was disappointed. Good school and humility, but no success. It was a school that focused on weaknesses, and it disabled what they were designed to do. If you feed on weak, you become weak. If you feed on the excellent power of God, you become empowered. My old pastor was got his Bible college down in the woods. He had put his stump on the Bible down in East Texas, and that's where he met with God. And this is how he'd say it. And this is how he'd talk. He'd say, Brother J.C. Hibbard was his name in Dallas, Texas, Gospel I Have. He'd say, Well, praise God. Now, you got this black dog right here, and you got this white dog right here. 
And if you starve the black one and you feed the white one and they get in a fight, well, the white dog's going to win because he's well-nourished and strong. And you can switch that and starve the white dog and start feeding the black dog, and then the black dog's going to win because the thing that you feed is what's going to be powerful in your life. Brother Hibbert, you're still preaching. <laughs> Feed one, starve the other. Starve this. Feed this. So here's the million-dollar question. What's defining your life? What are you looking at? What is feeding you? Because this over here will disable you. It's poison to you. It's toxic to you. You'll never be who God created you to be by looking at that. And if you confess with the mouth that Jesus is the Lord, huh? Yeah, you shall be saved. We got saved, but I think we need to keep on being saved and keep on drinking of those waters of salvation. Last story. It's about my daddy. <coughs> My daddy, uh, I never knew my grandfather. Him and my dad crossed paths way back before I was born. And uh, if I was to stand beside my grandfather on the street, I wouldn't have known it. They were estranged from each other. So I'm later on in my life. My daddy is 19 years old when I was born. So I'm 51 at the time, and my daddy is 70. And I sat down one day and I said, Dad, why don't you tell me something about my grandfather? I was not prepared for what happened in front of my eyes. Just by saying that, his hand started to shake. He started to kind of twitch a little bit. His lips started to quiver. He stuttered. Well, well. I, I could see he was getting agitated. I could see anger starting to come up into him. I, I just, I, and finally he goes, nothing to say. I said, well, of course there's something to say, Dad. I mean, there's something to say. And he raced all the way back to his childhood. He said, all I know is that my dad left us and one day he came to see us and he brought your Uncle Marshall a bicycle. He didn't bring me nothing. And he was stuck. And it was like, if I can say it, it was like that anger vomited out of him. I went, it's okay, Dad, it's okay. You don't, just, just stop. It's okay. I left. I went and got my brother Kelly. And I said, we got to do something about daddy. My daddy was called to be a preacher and never became one. Because this defined his life. And he never tapped the excellent potential that he had. And he was one angry man all the time. So I got Kelly and we went to see him. I walked in the house. I'll never forget it. He's sitting in his recliner, Kelly and I are on the couch, and I opened the Bible to Genesis chapter 27. I said, Dad, I want to share 
some scripture with you from Genesis 27. My daddy is a good Baptist. So he don't do like y'all do. He didn't do the tongue talking and the laying on the hands and all that kind of stuff. So I said, I, I want to share with Gen- Genesis chapter 27. I said, it's a story about three people. It's the story about Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. It's a story about a daddy who gave his blessing to one son and he didn't give his blessing to the other one. And I read him the story and I said, Daddy, you're Esau. You didn't get your father's blessing and you are really angry. And you have not given us your blessing either. I said, Daddy, what we're going to do is Kelly and I are about to get up from this couch and we're going to come down and we're going to kneel down in front of you like this. And you're going to come over here like the patriarch you're supposed to be and you're going to put your hands on our heads and you're going to give us our blessing. And when you speak your blessing upon us, you have a heavenly father and he's going to bring his blessing on top of you and you're going to get the blessing that you never got. And it's going to be better because it's going to come God, from God himself. I'll never forget that day as long as I live as Kelly and I dropped to our knees and we saw this daddy of our 6'3 come over us. And this old Baptist daddy, he slides his hands on top of his boy's heads and he looks up to heaven and I never heard such a heartbreaking prayer in my life. It wasn't a polished prayer. It was just, my God, my God, my sons, my sons. It was all he could get out. But right there, the excellent power of God came into that room and came down upon him, and he was blessed. Didn't hurt the two boys either, by the way. <laughs> And I never saw my daddy angry again. Because he disconnected. And connected to the plan for the first time in his life. And he had served Jesus all his life. But he wasn't connected. I'm closing with this scripture, Romans 8, 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation, all of creation, is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. This world is waiting for us to live by this and not by this, for us to be empowered and revealed as those servants of the Most High God. Now here's what I know. I could have some musicians come up. This is what I know, everybody. I know there's people in this room. I know. Because it's human nature. It's the laws of life. It's the things that happen to all of us. And you've been living by that over there. And it's no good. It's never going to work. It's the dead end street. But today you heard about something that's very obvious in the mind of the God that made you.
that he had a plan and an idea for your life it's so magnificent it'll take your breath away and he will take those things if you can give them to him and the sculptor will stand and he'll twist them and mold them and use them and make them serve the plan he has for you and this doesn't have to make you bitter God can mold you to make you better this is it there's not another life on this world to live this is the one this is the time this is the word of the Lord step in to what God designed for you would you stand with me please this morning here's what I want to do I want to pray for those and you're ready you say you know what yeah that's defined me but today it ends it won't define me anyway so with all the boldness that's in me because I'm not ashamed I'm just going to walk up here and stand here right now and that's going to end and I'm going to tap into that if that's you as he plays would you come don't hesitate I mean be bold be bold it's exactly nobody else like you perfectly designed by God this is this is it this is it hallelujah I'm excited for you today nobody like you nobody like you thank you thank you we're going to pray but I want to shake your hands first of all because this don't have to be pain this can be victory today thank you amen blessings to you thank you God even uses cancer he didn't create it but he can use it and he's going to thank you Cooper right let me shake your hand I think we got to love each other sometimes it's a new day mom thank you bless you thank you sir thank you thank you bless you bless you bless you did I shake your hand okay double portion amen hallelujah here's what we're going to do we've got to do this first those of you that come up I want you to turn and face that wall over there because that's that stuff that's it over there every word that was ever spoken against you everything that ever told you you couldn't and that you were disqualified every sin that you ever committed is right there whatever it is that grabs you by the throat is over there and you see it and right now I want you to give that to Jesus just in your own way I'm gonna pray for you but I want you to give it to Jesus before we pray Lord, I give this to you. I give those hurtful words. I give those rejections. I give that pain. I give that abuse. I give that sin. I hand it over to you right now. And I declare before my God and King, that shall not lead me anymore. That shall not define me anymore. That will not touch me anymore. I recognize it was sent from the devil to disable me and it no longer defines me in Jesus name 
And if you're repenting from it, now turn your back on it and face the plan. Turn your back on it. I'm turning my back. Now I only can see the excellence. I can only see the power. I only see the plan that he had when I was still in my mother's womb. And at this moment, he takes that and he's twisting it. And he's shaping it. And he's designing it so that you will be the person that God will design you to be. Amen. Would you tell Jesus, I receive your plan. I drink it in. It nourishes me. The DNA of the Spirit comes alive. I am whom God called me to be. Man does not get to decide. But God decides. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's thank Him just for a second. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, men, I want the men to look at me right now. No, go ahead. Ladies, you can look at me too. Come on, look at me. Now, I'm going to say this by the Spirit. I want you to be able to handle it. You are not weenies. I'm serious. I'm serious. God-appointed warriors. Those your boys? Okay. You just did the best thing you could have ever done. Is by getting reacquainted with that. And you raised them being led by that. It's awesome. It's awesome. Nothing like it. Let me have your hand. Tell me your name. Kelly. Kelly. It's like my brother's name. Amen. All right. Well, you are my brother, so let's pray for him right now. Father, I pray that life-giving virtue and power comes over Kelly right now in Jesus' name. Let the fire of the Spirit comes alive and fresh. The scales are falling from his eyes, and he is beholding the glory and the grandeur and the splendor of the plan of God for his life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, Kelly, turn over there and put your hands on those boys and pray for them. That's powerful. Don't ever stop that. Don't ever stop that right there. That's powerful. That's powerful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What's your name? Daniel. All right. I've got a nephew named Daniel. I probably related to all of you before I'm through. Yeah. Daniel, he's one of those guys in the Bible that stood when everybody else would bow. Lord, I'm praying for Daniel right now. He will no longer bow to those things that have defined him from the past. That right now, in the name of Jesus, the scales are falling off your eyes, Daniel. And you're seeing the plan of God for your life. And the Lord says, it is glorious. And I pray in these coming days, you take his breath away. You take his breath away. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Are you married to Daniel? Y'all are dating? Come here, you. What's your name? Kimberly. Holy mackerel. Well, my name's Kim, too, but it's not Kimberly, so I want you to know that. I got a brother that calls me Kimmy, but I beat him up for it. But no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, y'all. All right. You know what the name Kimberly means? This was stunning because I was kind of surprised 
My daddy named me, not my mama. My redneck daddy named me Kim, an oil field worker. It means the leader. Kimberly, take charge of your life and lead. And let God direct you, all right? Now, Lord, I pray that you breathe the breath of life on Kimberly right now in the name of Jesus. That you're reacquainting her with her identity. That she is a leader in her own right. And so, Father, I pray for this relationship right now. God, that your perfect will will be done in it. And, God, that this young man and young woman would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let that lead you. Let that lead you. I want to pray for you. I'm not skipping. I'm just going to kind of let the Lord direct me. I want to pray for you. You know what? I got a cancer diagnosis. Yeah, I did. Um, here's what God told me. This is for other people in the room, by the way. It's not just for her. Because cancer is one of those words that when you hear it, you always mentally put a death sentence on things. Always. And what do you do when you feel like you drive up to the exit ramp of your life? God gave me a picture. I was down in Ozona, Texas, near Mexico. And I found a, a goat whose head was hung in a fence. And I thought he was dead. So I went over to pull him out of the fence, and he was alive, barely breathing, barely breathing. And when I went to set him free, he started fighting me. He started fighting against his help. Don't fight your help. Don't fight your help. Your help comes from God. Started fighting, fighting, fighting. He was so demoralized. He had given up so much. I put a bucket of water in front of him and he wouldn't drink. So I decided drastic times take drastic measures. So I grabbed his head and I stuck his nose under the water where he couldn't breathe. So he'd have to suck it in. And I knew he could drown if he sucked in too hard. So I've got to make sure my timing is on. So I stuck his head and the fight is on. I'm sitting on top of that goat and he does not want to. And he, and he comes up and he tasted the waters of life. And then he just dunked his head in that bucket. And he, I said, he's going to kill himself drinking now. And he just drank it in and drank it in. And a little while, life started coming into his body. He staggered a little bit, and he walked off, revitalized. Here's what you do. You become a heavy drinker. Not that kind. Yeah, I'm serious. That's what I determined to be. In face of all opposition, that leads me, so I drink heavy. And every day of life... People squander the rest of their life because they're worried about what's coming. Here's what's coming for every one of us. Heaven. <laughs> Presence of God. So drink right now. This is your life right now. I'm going to pray God's going to heal you, but you drink now. 
Drink every day. Every day is a gift from God. Every day of your life is a gift from God. So live by the potential. Now, would you agree with me right now? What's your name? Christian. Christian. Amen. Christian, I put my hands on you in Jesus' name. And we declare it. Will you say it with me? By his stripes you're healed. He quickens our physical body by his spirit. God sent his word and healed. And Lord, she shall taste and see that the Lord is good. And she will drink deeply from the fountain of life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Christian. Heavy drinker, heavy drinker, every day, drink every day. No matter what you feel like, you drink every day. Squeeze every drop of your life out and drink every day of your life. It's what you got. Amen. Tell me your name. Margaret and Bill. Bill. How long y'all been married? Ah, newlyweds. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Let me have both of your hands. Lord, Bill and Margaret have come today to say goodbye to some things. And they put them on the altar of the Lord. And God says, I touch it with my flaming fire. And poof, it went up in smoke. And there's nothing left. And today the scales, the Lord says, I'm taking them from your eyes and you're going to see life that's been obvious to me but hidden from you. And now you shall behold it and you will see it is very good, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Your name? Connie. Got a cousin named Connie. I know you would have known that by now, right? So, amen. Connie, the Lord, you know, he's telling me that you've never thought that much of yourself in days gone by, that you've kind of one of those people that would have put yourself in a second place. And Connie, today the Lord says, oh, that's not what I saw. <laughs> when I made you back there a long time ago, I saw excellent power and potential. What you saw is not what I saw. And today, the Lord whispers in your ear, Come away with me, my fair one, and see and behold what I shall show you. You shall not live in disappointment. You shall rejoice in the plan of God. Reach out and drink deeply in Jesus' name. In Jesus. Not second again, Connie. Never again. Never again. Tina, Russell, I'm assuming y'all are married. 29 years. Amen. That's how old I am. Praise God. So. Yeah. Tina and Russell. Thank you, Lord, for Tina and Russell. We're just taking a little time, Lord, to walk and pray together. And this is one of those couples that have been on a life journey together. I know what that's like. Things come up battles have been fought it's the nature of life we're fighting an enemy sometimes we battle each other we scar each other there's wounds 
But today, we brought those things to Jesus. They shall not define us. And this day, the Lord unites you. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. And the Lord says, ten thousand times more power together that as you are facing the future, you're going to be stunned and amazed. And the Lord says, put your hands to the plow and don't look back. Go for it. Go for it. Now, future looks good. Future looks good. Because it's with Jesus. Amen. Morning. Name? Terry. Terry. Got a brother-in-law named Terry. Terry. <laughs> oh, got a brother-in-law named Terry. <laughs> Let me have your hands. You guys are married, I'm assuming. How long? 